0: Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, just open up in a quick prayer. Is that okay? Father, just thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing. May your Holy Spirit minister to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit guide us. And to all truth, may we learn to walk together in unity, a body that may become pleasing to you. Not because of how perfect we get it in the flesh, but what you are seeking in your truth and your spirit that we will become something pleasing in your sight, not in the sight of man. We just give this morning to um, the next four weeks ahead. I pray, Father, you give us all the strength to journey this together. We just lay this at your feet, Father. We pray that your will be done by the blood in the name of your precious Son, our Savior, our Groom, and our King, our precious Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. okay for those uh for those who have, don't know who i am um doesn't really matter who cares but <laughs> but you might hear me say a few few strange things um, and I do refer to uh to our king as Yeshua It comes from the Hebrew the full Hebrew word uh, yehoshua and um, I've just been led to use that years ago so uh, Forgive me for uh, for doing it if it sounds strange to you, um, but it's been a beautiful journey for me and that's just now the way I'm led to uh, address him. Um, does anybody remember what the name means in Hebrew? Hmm? He saves. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The name of our king, the name that was chosen was My Salvation, or He Saves. Um, I encourage any of you, if you're reading Scripture... Just to know what you're reading every time you see the name. Yeah. Oh, my salvation! Um, okay, man, I'll tell you. I I I think I got about four hours sleep last night, and I do this silly little thing. I always kind of have my little time with the Lord, and kind of put my little slides together, and then I call them and get rid of anything I can of me. And I started to go through this last night, and I was just like, you know, I don't know. You know, I think uh, I think what I'll do is whatever we miss or we skip through this morning, I really want to encourage you um, to come out tonight. We've got where are we at. The reason why I'm going to start off with this, and we're going to set the scene because there's some things coming in the weeks ahead. And look, I'm not going to sugarcoat some things, especially coming into week three and four. There's going to be some things here that are going to challenge you. They're going to shake you. Um, but not shake you in the way that perhaps looking at end times prophecy has done before, at least, hopefully not from my mouth. We're going to talk about fear versus love and how this subject has actually been portrayed to the body. We are not to be in fear of what our groom, our king, our savior has written us for the purpose of growing us to the fullness of him. And whatever journey we've had, whatever background we've had on this, if we can just set it aside, because we're going to have this stuff screaming in our head. Maybe not. Maybe some of you have never looked at this. Oh, man. I'll put these on. makes me look smart. Most of you are going, actually, it makes you look stupid. <laughs> um, curious sense of being led to know more about this stuff. A, n- a large number of you in here will be. That's just where you'll be. You'll be like, look, I really don't have an opinion on this. I really don't know what's going on. But I'm willing to have a look. Clearly understand this as a part of his plan and want to know more. Always do. So there's that part where we've been taken where, yep, you're not understanding this from a fear-based perspective. You're understanding it that it's a life-giving perspective, even the subject of the end times. So some of you will be in that camp. Other views, are: I'm concerned that we're even looking into these matters. I don't see the point. What a waste of time. Some of you may be here in that place. And you know what? I want to say to you, it's okay. Because I actually can understand, especially the way this subject's been taught to the body, especially in the last three to four decades. I understand that, okay? So it's okay to be in that place. But what I would encourage you is to please, please know, let's not kick our king and his message of love to a body because what we have done with his words... And don't think that because of the mistakes of man or the misrepresentation of the poor ambassadorship, be it for me or anyone else, in the body to date in your life, don't let that drive you away from the message over the next four weeks, okay? And over the next four weeks, I can tell you one thing, it's going to be easy to shoot the messenger, okay? I've, I can see a number of the men that I walk with here uh, today and uh, in a closer level and you know they know me love me warts and all they've been through it all and a lot of this stuff over the next four weeks some of it they've really heard in detail at nauseam. <sighs> but i'm easy to shoot and the more you get to know me the more you will be able to tear down the messenger But I tell you this, just because you successfully tear me down in your mind, in your heart, wherever it may be, whatever you journey in the next four weeks, the real issue isn't if I shoot the messenger, his truth goes away. I might go away. The issue is, is whether you're hearing truth. Who cares what my opinion is? Who really cares? But if my opinion aligns with his truth, if that is happening, you need to know. We need to journey this together. We got some funny stuff happening in the body, and these people are in a place for a reason. And I'm not here to judge them, I'm here to encourage you keep going. Keep looking at this. Let nothing stop you knowing every part of who he is. I've already got it all figured out. I know it all. I know enough. Anyway, so now we got the prophecy experts on the house. Okay. Come along tonight. Let's talk it out. Does anybody here really believe, and this is me included by the way, and I'm going to say nothing to you that doesn't apply to me, and I mean that sincerely. Does anybody believe here, and when it comes to his spirit and truth, that there is no leaven that is still in our house? Are you completely swept free? Do you really believe it is impossible for you to be deceived? Come stand here, I'll give you the mic. The more I understand this, the more I realize how deceived I had been. The more that I seek Him and understand Him, the more I realize I don't know. This one, again, keep going. Because I promise you, the only one who's got it all figured out is Him. Been there, done that, seen it all before. This camp I really, really have some empathy for. Do you know some of the um, stuff that's been in the body uh, regarding the end times in the last three decades? I'm sure there'll be a few hands here have been on this journey. Not, Not all of it was untruth. But because of the way that we make him in our own image, the way we want to understand these things, we tend to sometimes present a position that actually can misrepresent him. And it doesn't mean we're doing it because we 're wanting to misrepresent him, do you know it says that in the end times, by the way, I like what Greg said there we 've been in the last days, just so you know, since the birth, death, and resurrection of our king, the last day days of a thousand years and a thousand years, but of a we 're two thousand years almost into this on in the hebrew calendar there 's some some pretty sobering stuff we 're going to look at towards the end of the series, but we are a lot of people get this confused. The last days and the end times are the end of the age. The issue is, is that when the last days are starting to come to the next part of their age, there's an end component to that that is spoken about through Scripture. This is what end times means. So last days, body's been in it for 2,000 years so far. End times, now that's an interesting discussion. That's what we're going to have a look at over the next... Uh, over the next four weeks uh, or three weeks. Um, the other thing, too, that uh, to really get across to you is um, we are not heading for the end of the world, <laughs> okay? We may be approaching the end of the age, but there's a plan coming that is so fantastic that I believe that the misteaching in this area has robbed you from understanding this with all the best of intent. Does anybody here know and believe that your king is going to reign on this earth for a thousand years and it is a part of his plan and his promises? Do you know? Put your hand up if you know this. Now, do you believe it? Because you don't know it unless you believe it. Because I'll tell you what, no matter what is happening in this world, what I think I don't, what I struggle with, what I'm you know, trying to understand now, today, tomorrow, whatever... Do you know that this is not going to change his plan? Do you know that it is going to be right on time? I'm terrible for that. I spoke, who's I speaking Mel, i was thinking this morning. Somebody says, you know, Curtis, you, you need a watch. And I said, I don't wear a watch. Then I'll know how late I am. <laughs> and then I try in some holy sanctified way, try and explain to people, they won't be wearing watches in eternity. Because that gets me off the hook. (laughs) Okay. So I understand these positions, okay? Everybody will be in a certain place in a certain way. Can we agree together as a body? Can we do this? That we'll agree to journey and look at this subject a little bit together? Can we do that? Because I tell you something, you know, it's, I'm finding interesting. And I've seen amazing amount of this in the last five years. Do you know the Bible says that when light comes in to darkness, what happens to darkness? It scatters. Why is it that when we are contending as a body, and I have sit there, I've had to say this to people. Where are you going, brother? Where are you going, sister? Do we live now in a body where the lightness scatters? Because that's what they're doing is they run away. Do we really believe the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the whole plan of what this is would run from looking at any part or any truth and sit there and point the finger? Because I tell you this, if we're truly walking this together and I am the one deceived right now before you, is, is this when you run out on me? Or will you love me enough to stick with this? Do you love each other enough? Or is it just lip service? We honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Oh, I know it all. You don't see it my way. I've got this understanding. I've got this. That's fine. What will cover a multitude of missing the mark? Sin? What will cover it? His love. Guess what? Love won't cover it. And you're going to see division. You're going to see arguments. You're going to see people coming up with excuses and justifications as to why we're not going to seek his truth together. Guess what? Love acts like that. Our love. Fleshy love. We don't have to understand everything at the same time all the time. We need to journey this together. And if I need correction and reproof along the way, then I best journey it with others and not be an island unto myself. And vice versa. We are dieting off a body of Christ that has entered into listening to the superstar Christians. And we sit there and we get our fix and our dose. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And there is a king and a groom that is waiting for you to come to him. To know him. Not to be replaced by Curtis Reed. Whatever other name or book or DVD or whatever else it is, we're going to go to anything but him. What about his word? You have knees? Oh, no, the Holy Spirit's just more for me. That's why I'm standing up here because I'm so much holier than you guys. You're right. Come on. What right do I have to be standing up here sharing anything with you? Because I'm holier? Because I'm more knowledgeable? I tell you what, my knowledge has been one of the biggest barriers to the stuff I'm going to try and share with you over the next. One of the biggest barriers. Did you hear that? My knowledge. It's so much of that garbage sitting in my head. Screaming as he's trying to share his truth. These are some questions that came up uh, over the Passover week, and they're great ones. Um, we're going to look at these tonight in, in a little bit more detail, and whatever other questions come. Here's the thing I want to encourage you on: if you have a question, you have a right to that question. Come. Tonight will be, we'll summarize a couple of things, but tonight's going to be more about us as a body. Asking questions, asking whatever you need to, whatever you want. What about this? I don't understand this. Where is this headed? Curtis, you said this. What does that mean? These were given to me. And I encourage you, because I can't answer a whole bunch of individual emails and things like that. But I tell you this, if you really, really care... To truly walk as a body, please come with the questions. Don't sit there and have your gossip sessions and, you know, oh, well, he said this, I didn't like that, whatever else it is. Come. Be a body. Let's journey this together. It's okay to ask questions. So we'll look a little bit at that more tonight. Just before we get going... Um, I'm just gonna, um, uh, Jay, where are you? Can I get this mic? Is it on? Uh, this is, this is a dear brother of mine. Jay actually walks with me, um, quite closely, so, um, you know, he appreciates some of the things that I've been saying, but, um, Really, what I wanted to do was just really quickly, Jason's just share for five or ten minutes. And I'm hoping now we're gonna get into a place of now that I kind of sort of trying to set the scene, let's journey together, that let's be encouraged as we look at these things, okay? Let's do this together. If we can break through some of our biases, knowledge, fears, all of these sorts of things, I promise you where we're headed and what you're gonna see lines up with his spirit and his truth, and it'll be for you to go on that journey and know. For you to become equipped so people can no longer stand up in front of you on DVDs or whatever else it is and potentially even spout things which are not of him, intentionally or unintentionally. Anyway, um uh, Jay was... Uh, i was honored enough he was (laughs) he's come over from america and we had very interesting circumstances of meeting each other but the reason why i wanted him to share really quickly is that what i saw this man go through was really real was really real and he went through quite a journey and um and i think uh, it's just worth just hearing for a second that
1: good morning how's everybody doing um First of all, I just want to say thank you to uh, The Rock and for Greg for supporting me and my family so much through just transition of our twins and um, also just coming out of uh, just another fellowship. Um, And it's just an honor to uh, see what you guys are doing and where we're going. Um, And if you guys don't know, there's such a, we are on a a great path and there's, there's two huge um, paths right now in the body of Christ I believe that are just going in so many different directions um, and we might think that certain things that are being said are crazy but I think we just need to keep going together like Curtis is encouraging um, and to ask questions um, but I really hate getting up in front of people and sharing I was hoping he forgot about me um, I actually flew to Africa with him and shared a testimony to a bunch of people and I didn't want to do that either and I told him the day before we leave and I wasn't going to go um, but, uh, when I was in America, I went to one of the largest fellowships in America. It was about 25,000 members. Um, one of the biggest, uh, televangelists in probably the world. Um, and I was a minister there. Um, and when I got here to America or to New Zealand, um, I was questioning everything. I had questioned literally my whole walk besides the blood of Christ because there was so much stuff that had happened in the in the church and in the fellowship. Um and when I got here I didn't know what to do and I was embarrassed and I I just was confused. And um my wife actually um was uh where she works, she has somebody that did like a little fellowship group, um, uh Bible study and I was like, Oh I'll go, whatever, you know, I, I, I got a lot of knowledge and wisdom and I can help them. they are a bunch of old Presbyterians that really have no clue. Um, so I can help them through their journey, and uh, I think it was he, Curtis wasn't there the first um, night I was there, but the second night they asked me, "What was we'll share your testimony?" And I was like, "Okay, you know." And I was just like, "You know, I just want to, um, I just want to see miracles and signs and wonders, and and help people, and 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 do all these great things." And and then Curtis pipes up literally during my testimony. He goes, "Well, what about just knowing Him?" And I'm like, "Who does this guy think he is? This is so offensive." Speaking while I'm sharing my heart <laughs> and um God actually spoke to me and said he's right, you've walked away from me and He started to show me that I was worshiping my pastor in America and that I was um worshiping myself, and I think that will be our biggest struggle here is worshiping God ourself, or somebody else um and I was I was just really wanting stuff and things and I just walked alone. And he showed me, Jay, you're walking alone. And I was just, and I didn't know how I did it. And it wasn't done all of a sudden. It's kind of like when I was telling Kirk, you know, I look at this picture of myself on the fridge and I look great and I go, and I look at myself and I go, man, how did that happen? It was slow, it's, it's slowly you just, it just gets away from you. And, um, so I was just, I was really struggling and I was like, what is he doing? Why is he saying that? And I and I went up and I told him afterwards. And I think that's a problem that we have here is instead of me just walking away and never going back, I went up to him and I said, you offended me. And I think that's what we need to do here is don't just walk away. Stand and fight and contend with our brothers and sisters if you truly care like he was saying. And as we walked together and as the stuff um, that I had learned and the garbage that I didn't realize, and this is embarrassing because I was a minister for five years or six years or whatever it was, and I'm going, I don't know anything. Everything I know is absolutely wrong or twisted. And the noise that was in my head was just so strong, I would call Curtis and I would pray, and I'm going, Lord, I, I can't deal with the noise that is in my head. I just want to give up. I just want to quit. I want to quit going. I can't keep go- doing this. It's just too much. And Curtis just said, keep going. And the Spirit just said, keep going. And as I continued to go, it got more beautiful and it got more easy um, and if we continue to go, because what you will hear, it will be hard and it will be challenging. You will think he's nuts. I actually thought he was nuts. I thought he was a legalist, honestly, when I first met him. So to my wife. And it's okay. And I think it's okay, like he's saying, to come and ask questions and say, I think you're nuts. I think, Greg, you're nuts. But it's okay. Just go. Just do it. Ask the questions. Do not run. Because we need each other. You know? Um, let me look at my notes because I don't want to forget anything. <laughs> And yeah, just keep asking questions. Keep asking questions because a lot of spiritual stuff that we've learned from people or our own opinions, it's not true. It's just not true. Um, and like I'm just saying, I just challenge you to truly just not let this be the only thing. You come get together in groups and ask questions and your opinion doesn't matter. And that's what, if there's, I don't see it, I don't know if any of the guys are here, but we would all sit there and listen to Curtis go, oh, your opinion doesn't matter. And go, well, yeah, it does. and But the more we realize it really doesn't matter that the true Word of God matters. And if we truly care about truth, it doesn't matter. Um, and we'll, it'll be okay to be offended and be mad with each other. And for me now, the story is much more beautiful. There's way more depth. There's way more precision. It's not this airy-fairy stuff or um, just hyped-up stuff. It's just absolute truth, and it's just so beautiful. Um. So yeah, that's really it. And I just challenge you, if you truly, truly do love Him, and that's what's happening now as we're finding out if we do love Him, to truly just seek, to truly come and ask questions. And I ask the craziest questions that you have because I have them. We all have them. Um, So it's an honor to walk with, with, you know, just with this body and seeing what's happening and things like that. It's just really exciting. Um, So yeah, that's it.
0: Thanks, Jay. Man, you were nice. He normally bags me way more than that, I can assure you. That's stunning. The Holy Spirit must be working in you, brother. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. We got that whole American Canadian thing going on. That's all right. We'll we'll pray for you, Jay. You know, um, <laughs> the, uh, the families and the people and the journeys that I've seen going on, it's been so encouraging and so incredible. It's been beyond belief because what's happening is people are looking for themselves. One of the things that, um, it, it warns in the, in the end times that there will be those that come along and they will draw disciples after themselves. And that's happening in the body, right? This isn't speaking to an unbelieving world. And they're actually going to draw disciples after the movements called sex, these different denominations, everything that's going on. And yet, the spirit and truth in a discipleship environment, walking together and loving one another, can reveal such incredible things to you and grow you and get you to know him that all of a sudden we can start sharing as a body. Do you know that discipleship is the ground for actually cultivating what he gives to his body? When we talk about the fivefold ministry, don't we, and all this sort of thing. Do you know there's counterfeit versions of this out there? But there is the real thing. He will raise up amongst you as a body pastors, apostles, evangelists, prophets, teachers. It will come from this ground. And it will become a light to each other, to the world. All of the things that we try and seek and try and manufacture, even sometimes counterfeit, are outcomes, very good intentions. I'm not saying a lot of the outcomes we don't chase aren't good outcomes. But if we chase them, if we continue to chase them, we'll actually be seeking the outcome and not the giver of the outcome. And this can get kind of mixed up. And then it allows some interesting and funny teaching to come to come into the body. Okay, so this is what I'm not. I'm not representing any form or particular so-called Christian denomination. I am not part of any Hebrew roots or particular Messianic movement. I am not Jewish. I am not a Zionist. I am not a Hebrew scholar. Everybody here is going, well, what the heck are you? I'm wasting my time listening to that. I want all of these things just tend to be labels. I don't want to be associated with any of them because guess who came up with all of them? Man. There's only one thing, and this is what I want to encourage you what I am, and my prayer, my heart, is that, that this will be written onto your hearts, that it will be your true desire and that we do this together as a body. I'm a follower of Yeshua. I'm contending for His truth his way, and his life. That is it. That's it. Don't buy in to the labels, the movements, the know-it-alls. If we got enough letters after our names these days, surely they must be speaking truth. Yet the most educated people on the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the most educated make our Ph.D. versions look like idiots when it comes to the Word of God. And I'm not kidding. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Scribes. They would absolutely churn who we put on pedestals up and make mincemeat out of them. And guess what? Did they get it or did they miss it? He's not kidding when I said I desire my people to worship me in spirit and truth. Know this, he's not kidding. It must be both. If you think you can do it just on one side and not the other, or on this side and not the other, you can't. I can't, you can't. He's going to get what he desires. He's going to do it his way. The question is, is we have the sovereignty to go yes or no. Why don't you think about these questions, okay? And over the next four weeks, did you decide, did you decide to be conceived or born? Did you decide to be born fallen? Did you decide that you will die? That one shuts everyone up, doesn't it? (laughs) Do you convict another person's heart? Can you provide salvation to anyone? What the heck are you here for then? We have a whole church built on answering those questions wrong. I'm not kidding. But that church, his people, by the way, Greg, your prayer is answered. The actual word he used was ecclesia, a called out people. we It's always been about his people, and we're going to see that. But there's been doctrines that have crept into the body of Christ that take away from this. That's the why. People say it's that can't be that simple. Well, it is, but I'll tell you, it's deep. It's got to be more than that. Do you know that the Pharisees were literally questioning him? And they asked him, what is the greatest? Not sort of. And he did not lie. That's the answer. You hold the why. Do You know, when people say the meaning of life, what's the meaning of life? Do you know you've actually been given it? We, we talk about it like it's some sort of thing. No one can know the meaning of life. Well, guess who can? He created it. If the one who created life possibly was asked, what's the meaning of life, do you think he could answer the question? Amen. Oh, yes, it is that simple. But that doesn't make it easy. I always do that with these slides. I gotta stop that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Some end time stuff. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. But after their lust, they shall heap what to themselves. Oh, you? What do you mean? We don't get to just blame the superstars I was talking about. Who's doing the heaping here? The wolves behind the pulpit? Somebody who's honestly deceived? Who's doing it? Who's they? It's us. We actually, his words saying we actually want to be given this stuff that soothes our image, our ideas, our concepts, whatever it is, just keep giving it to me. And if you do, I'll keep paying my ticket. I'll keep ticking my box. Do you know to get to such a stage that have itching ears, that they shall what? Turn away their ears from what? And shall be turned towards what? Oop. Do you know, I can't think of any other area, at least as much, when it comes to understanding this truth in the end times, We're being turned under fables has become a reality for the body. So whether you've looked at this or not, there are things going on right now as the world is heading into some very interesting and precarious places, and there are people asking questions. And some people are even getting nervous. Some people are even getting scared. And what are we going to give them? Do you want me to put up some videos of some... Planes flying in and blowing up buildings and nuclear weapons going off and some scary music and a guy running around with pointy horns. I'm the Antichrist. We can all sit here and freak out in the dark for... Well, we can do that. I can't find that stuff in Scripture. In fact, I find in Scripture perfect love casts out all What? Okay, by the way, I've, I, I'm not criticizing a lot of, there, look, there's a lot of good people trying to do a good work right now on the body, but all the best of my intentions, their intentions, your intentions, doesn't necessarily mean it is matching in a way that is bearing good fruit, okay? And that's what we want to see here. So the love-based, fear-based model, and the reason why I'm setting the scene is because we're going to be looking at some very serious things over the next three weeks. And if we don't talk about some few basics that have crept into the body and agree together to go through this, then we can sit here and shut off or not think that this is as important as it is. The end times Bible prophecy is all about your coming groom. The one who died for you. Yet there is a teaching out there that is trying to get you to be focused on one who will counterfeit him. And we get so caught up looking for Antichrist, we don't get to know the Christ. And this is a lie that is being sold into you. We were told and instructed to honor and to know what the appointed times are. And we have entertained every manner of weirdness you can think of in hopes of getting to know. Because you know what couldn't be taken from me? I've had a desire for 25 years and excited about the coming of my Savior. So what's the only thing Lucifer is going to be able to do with that one? What if I'm not asleep? What if I actually am willing to look? What's he got to do with me? You better muddy the waters. You better confuse me. You better get me doing something. Because if you don't, guess what I'm going to start doing? I might just start telling the truth, getting to know him and becoming a vessel and a hope and a light to the world. He needs to take that down. Me sleeping in a pew, ticking a box once a week, is that a worry to the enemy? Really? If we really are approaching the coming of our king, is this not a whole area that you would expect to be muddied? In fact, if we're really in this time, if we didn't see this confusion, this attempt to to push us away or confuse us, we wouldn't be in it. But there is an adversary that's been designed and has been chosen to be here and was created to be here to actually do its job. You've come to know of it as Satan. And I tell you, the adversary is doing his job. And he will find out because here's the other thing. His spirit will overcome anything the adversary can do. And his truth. And he knows it. <sighs> for I am jealous for you with jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ, but I fear that somehow impure pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Can anybody think of anything more serious than comparing, all right, and actually I'll go back to that just for a second. Anything more serious, being corrupted, the simplicity that's found in Messiah, than the separation of man from the creator? Try and think of something. Is there anything you could think more serious than that? This is what Paul is literally trying to say to Corinth, already creeping in to the body at that time. I fear that you're being led away from this. You happily put up with anyone who tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit, or a different kind of gospel. Wait a minute, isn't this about other religions? Oh, hold on. A different gospel A different Messiah. A different spirit. Who is the adversary focused on? Do you really believe it's Courtney Place on Friday nights? We're supposed to be a light to a world out there. This is where it happens. So we walk together in his spirit and truth. And we'll watch what he can do. There's two things that I'm going to get when we finish off the day today. Two big things. This is one that's confused in the body. What is Israel? This confusion has led people into many, many deceived areas in even understanding Scripture and currently what is going on on the earth right now. We need to understand what this is. Do you know nowhere in Scripture does it say that Israel is a piece of dirt? Nowhere. Yet if I turn on the news and it says something went down in Israel, what what immediately goes to your mind? Be honest. There's bombs going off in Israel. Nowhere in Scripture is Israel a piece of land. Israel is promised a piece of land. If we get these two subtly confused, I can twist and warp your understanding of what you're reading. When you read this in Scripture, no. when you see the word Israel, when you see the word Ecclesia, these are the same. It's his people. And Israel is not just the tribe of Judah. And we're going to talk about something that if we lay this groundwork down correctly, you're going to see that 12 tribes literally were the establishment of the Hebrew culture by God himself. And 10 of them got divorced. God divorced them. He broke something called the condition. Why does this matter? 4,000 years to 6,000 years of something that's going on in God's plan of salvation. Yet, we're quite glibly will make this a piece of dirt and not understand truly what it is. The reason for this, it will depend on your biblical lens. Here's what you've got, and this pretty much sums up what we're seeing in the body of Christ right now. Replacement theology, Christian Orthodox movement, generally sits in this camp. Things like Catholicism and whatnot. A literal Israel is no longer relevant and has no, and is a spiritual allegory only. In other words, don't bother reading the Old Testament. Just read the front of the book, not the beginning. Then we have what's crept in, and this sums up the majority of what you'll see in evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal movements. Whether you know it or not, you've been taught a separatist theology. Israel, literal Israel, and the church are completely separate entities, both physically and spiritually. I know there'll be some people in this room right now going, I used to believe that. I didn't know I'd been taught a separatist theology. I didn't even know what that was. I'd bought into something I didn't understand. And then there's another group that's grafted in theology. This is covenant-based. The church in Israel are physically and spiritually united by means of the wild olive tree being grafted back in to the cultivated olive tree. A covenant renewed and restored with his people Israel through the shedding of his blood. This one people don't want to know about. Yet it's interesting. Most end times theology that you'll see will be based in this camp. Now, I want to say this, and, and, and with all my heart, okay, I know the place in these two personally. I've never really known that one, to be honest. But I want you to know this. The only thing that has entertained the separation of the body of Christ and his people is man's doctrine. Our God is a God of unity. And he said in Gethsemane before the centroid of this all was going to go down that bought us and renewed this. He said, Father, I pray that they may be as we are. Where does this stuff come from? How did it happen? Are there not good people seeking the Lord, doing their best at this time to make people aware in this camp? You better believe there is. I've walked with many. I've walked with international ministries and some of the best in the world at this, intimately. But that doesn't mean we can't be deceived. We are the target. Here's one for you. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is the words of Yeshua himself. Your Savior, your King, your Groom. That's a problem. No, the church and Israel are two separate things. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. Out of the three options that you've got, which one would you like to have reading that? (laughs) Pretty serious. We need to understand what that means, don't you think? Isn't that fair to be shut down and go, oh, well, you know, no, not well, I know. I need to contend with that. Why? Because it's in his word. By the way, it's Greek rendering is very accurate. It means what it says. So that's an issue depending on how I view this. It doesn't make my struggle with viewing this untruth. And if the people of Israel, Paul's saying this from Romans, and if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. And he's speaking to them now. These are the sojourners. The ones you might think of as uh, the Gentiles. (laughs) You, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by gathering you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. This is pretty big. There is one house, one people. It will and is called Israel. And when does everybody remember that when they came out of Egypt and they're being delivered and God is about to create the culture, the Hebrew culture and establish and call his people Israel. Does anybody remember who came out with them? Some Egyptians. And that's interesting. Now, if I was an Egyptian at that time, I think I'd be going too. They just saw the 10 plagues of Egypt. <laughs> okay. Some people have watched the show. I'd be like, okay, I like, I'm going to go with this God. I don't know what's going on here, but this is freaking me out. There's hailstones of fire. You know, we don't know what it's like to live that because we glibly sit in the luxury of our Western state right now, not truly understanding the reverence and the power of our God when he starts to move. But we live in a very interesting age where we may witness some incredible things. And those Egyptians ran out. They ran out after these Hebrews, and the Hebrews are running out, and they don't know they're Israel yet. And this is all going on, and they're just like, okay, follow the pillar of fire. There's going to be waters parting. There's going to be people led into the desert, and then Moses is going to go up. Grumpy old guy, because imagine what he was going through the whole time. He had to give up being one of the leaders of the known world. And then he's got to put up with all this whining and moaning and all this kind of stuff going on. And then he goes up the hill for 40 days to spend some time with God while he's sitting there in a reverent, probably frightening situation. And what are they doing while he's gone? They're making a golden calf. Now, this is interesting. You mean they've come out to follow the one true God, but what did they resort to when they had no truth being spoken to them at this time? What did they go back to? Uh, the only thing they knew. But guess this time? Scripture's very clear on this. They now did it in his name. Whoa. And somebody's heart needed to be dealt with at this time. Moses went up, he gets as he comes back down, and what does he encounter? He sees this whole scene going down. It's pretty interesting by all accounts, if you really want to get into it. He's witnessing something actually quite shocking. And as he's doing that, what did he do? He's holding, he wrote out. I'm going to tell you what this is. Do anybody know what, what he wrote out? Well, we think of it as the Ten Commandments. By the way, you're going to get used to this word, it's called a ketubah. It was a contract. It was a marriage contract. But he's holding this in his hands. And what does he do with the marriage contract? What does he do with this thing? Now, Think about this. Did God know the whole time Moses was making his way down what they were doing? Did, didn't he? Whose heart was being exposed at the moment he witnessed what he witnessed? Moses. You see, they hadn't heard and understood who their God was yet. All they knew is this is a pretty serious dude and he does some pretty big things. They don't understand who they are, where they're going to become, what it's all about. And God is about to deliver to them the whole understanding of who they are and how to view his whole plan of salvation. Because in that place, in that he delivered something called the appointed times. And every element of the appointed times points to your king, savior, and groom. Every element of it. And guess where it's found in that boring Old Testament Torah, Tanakh, that we shouldn't read or look at. And yet all of it, both his first coming and his second coming, is laid down in it. Does that interest you at all? But we have been given every other flavor you can think of to look at the end times. Except the one we were told to honor and celebrate and know and understand. How did that happen? How'd that happen? How is it that we've got 30,000 denominations, every form of opinion that you can think of on this subject? How did that happen that we didn't look at what he told us to? Whose appointed times are they? His. They're not Jewish. They're not Hebrew. They're not even Israel's. They're his. And they're about his son. Man, we're not going into this right now, but this is incredible. You get this. There's something going on in Ezekiel, and he's being given a vision of the end times. <sighs> but just to make the point here, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, and in his hand Ephraim. Which, by the way, is one of the tribes, if you don't know And the tribes of Israel, so now the rest of them, and his companions, and I will put them with it. With the stick of who? Isn't that interesting? This is regarding the end times. Something is going to be brought together in this incredible vision that he's having. And make them what? And they will be what? Father, I pray that they may be? Oh. Isn't this interesting? Do you mean there is something in the Old Testament that is revealed by the truth given in the New? Is there revelation going on that isn't just a nice little whim? But if we actually knew the whole word, the whole counsel of the word, that you will see that none of it disagrees at any point. But my understanding of what I'm reading can disagree and can change. I'm subject to that. I need to understand what that is and so do you because if you understand what you're reading in Ezekiel, that is concerning the end times. What does that mean? We need to look through the lens of a Hebrew marriage covenant. As he intended, it's what he created. Paul got this, and in fact, he absolutely jumped for joy. In the book of Ephesians, he's writing it. The great mystery is revealed. What was the mystery revealed? The Pharisee of Pharisees was in a marriage covenant. He finally figured it out. And he leapt for joy. This is a marriage? I'm in a marriage covenant? This was the Pharisee of Pharisees, and he's just getting it. He's writing to the Ephesians. I tell you, I speak of the great mystery concerning Christ and his church. What is this great mystery? That started way back. This is the Hebrew marriage covenant. The father of the groom chooses the bride. Sound familiar? This is the ancient Hebrew marriage covenant. The father of the bride, this is what they were taught, decides the price to be paid for her. The groom decides whether or not he will pay that price. The price is agreed... And the betrothal, or the ketubah, becomes legally binding. And they enter into the process of the condition. Now, I'm going to try and simplify this just for a second. You've gotten used to a process in modern Western culture called what? Engagement. Do you know how serious this was in the Hebrew culture? If they were considered married, but there was going to be a time of separation, This is serious stuff. And if the groom wanted out, guess what price he still had to pay? Whoa. I wonder if they were being taught how to view something that was about to happen. The groom then returns to his father's house. This is true, by the way. This is what happens. He turns to the father's house and prepares a place for her. Guess where he prepares a room for her? At his father's house. Do you remember the scriptures? I tell you the truth. I go to prepare what? Do you think this is making sense to them? They're starting to understand this. the Messiah's Even though he's showing up as a suffering servant, as a lamb, there's something starting to match here. During this time, the bride is to have no other intimate relationships. Now, we're not in a physical relationship with Yeshua. There's only one thing this is speaking about. Does everybody understand that the physical is a typology of the... Yeah, it's a foreshadow of the spiritual. And it teaches us the struggles, the the processes, the things we go on. So if I want to confuse your understanding, I need to attack the physical so that you don't see the spiritual. It is spiritual adultery. Remember what they were doing? The golden calf? Okay, but it's Moses' heart he's dealing with here. God doesn't smite them there. So Moses goes back up, and by the time he got to the hill, top of the hill again, he was repenting. Do you remember that? He's before God. And now guess who writes out the ketubah in his own hand? Second time around. It's interesting how he did that. Do you think he knew what Moses, how Moses was going to react? <laughs> See, Moses was only even allowed to break what he wrote. Now I'm writing it. He ain't breaking this one, pal. Now that your heart's sorted out, now go deal with them. And guess once they started to understand these truths, he said, who is for the Lord? And 3,000 on that day said what? No, we're keeping our version. We'll do it in his name, but we're keeping our version. What happened to those 3,000? Do you know that occurred on the day, if you understand the Hebrew calendar, on a day that you might know as Pentecost? The day of Pentecost is what you're reading in Scripture. What happened on the day of Pentecost? How many were added back in once the Spirit had got it right? Do you know the precision of what you're reading and what you're standing on in your faith is mind-boggling? And something is trying to rob you from understanding what it is you're actually holding in your hands. The bride now prepares her wedding garments and blankets. This is the process in the ancient Hebrew marriage covenant. What do we call it today? Only the father, the groom get this, this is a beauty, decides when it's time for the son to collect the bride. What does he say? Only my father knows. This is interesting. It is built in to the whole covenant practice. Do we really know what we're reading? No one knows the day nor the hour, only the father. And we all, we understand that? Man, if you understand this from a true marriage covenant Hebrew lens, you won't believe that response he gave. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. Because I tell you, it is so much deeper than you could possibly comprehend. And we glibly write this off. Oh, well, no one can know. I'm off. When's the rugby game? When's Liverpool playing? Okay, not Liverpool. (laughs) The groomer usually returned for her at night and signaled by the blowing of the shofar. This is celebrated in the appointed times in the full feast. This is true. It's what happens. The watchmen on the wall during the wedding ceremony are looking for who? Are they looking for Antichrist during the marriage covenant? I'm looking for the bad guy. Who are they looking for? The good guy. And he comes with a torch in his hand and they blow the shofars, And now the bride's freaking out. She's supposed to be ready. This is all built in. Does any of this sound familiar? All right. We're going to finish up here. And I'm going to finish up with a definition of what Scripture truly, truly, I believe, is from beginning to end. Before we do that, I want you to understand Hosea, the prophet Hosea, who's dealing with what? A spiritually adulterous... Yeah. Yeah. See, the physical is pointing to something in the spiritual. I will make you, look at this, this is now God himself. I will make you my what? Whoa. What does it say? The marriage of the lamb has come and his, somebody's made herself ready. Unfailing love, compassion, I'll be faithful to you and make you mine and you will finally know me as the Lord. you mean it's possible that this future wife didn't actually have a full comprehension or understanding of who he was? How'd that happen? Okay. I'm going to go through some of these slides tonight. And we're going to look at the Hebrew, Masorah, how he's signaling some of these appointed times. We're going to look at, is it possible that God created the heavens to measure and teach us his view of time? A God of absolute perfection and precision has put above your head every night in the night sky. And the scriptures tell us it declares the glory of God. And the only thing we can come up with is it's pretty. (laughs) It is pretty. But is it possible that there's a little bit more to this than just how pretty it is? Do you know that we've been taught something really, 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 really strange? Did you know, what if I told you the whole gospel message was written in the heavens above you? The whole plan. Guess what? When were the stars created? And the planets and the sun. Were they created before or after man? Ooh, you mean the story of salvation was in the sky before the actors were created that would live it out? Whoa. Get your head around that. That's serious. That's the scripture. So shoot me all you want, but I can read to you the order that this happened. So we got to ask ourselves some interesting questions. What you're seeing here, by the way, and it doesn't come up too clear here, is the Hebrew understanding of the Maseroth. You know what the Maseroth means? It means the light of the heavens. The ancient Hebrew, they called it the heavens. It is God's heavenly time clock. Long before Satan gave us the Babylonian practices of astrology, like horoscopes. Have you not been told about the evil zodiac? You know, the star signs? I mean, guess what? They are. Do you know that is a perverted, twisted, demonic practice of a glorious thing that has been put in the heavens above you. Now, if I want you not to know a truth and not to see something, what do I only got to do? That's right. Create a straw man and you'll never look. Oh, it's bad. If I don't want you to go in a room, I just got to put in, you know, I don't know. What don't we like to eat? You going to compare this. Yeah. Fruit and vegetables. Anyway. Versus ice cream. Well, we're going to choose the ice cream door every time. Okay. Tonight, we're going to have a better look at that during the Q&A, okay? This is what I want to really leave you with today. Sorry, I apologize for this because I've been putting... I've been putting them all into the same presentation for tonight as well. Come on, work. Okay. It's all about a 6,000-year patrol, though. It was broken because of a spiritually adulterous bride. It ends in a marriage to a repentant wife. It was restored and sealed on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago. The blood of a groom. The covenant with His beloved people could only be restored and made new through His death. Here's the one thing now that I finish up with here today and know this. In the ancient Hebrew marriage covenant, if the husband decides to divorce her, not only does he have to pay the price, but she can't remarry for the rest of her life unless one thing occurs. What has to happen to the man who divorced her? He has to die. And if he dies, she is free to remarry again.